When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 14. Episode 21. This is Writing Excuses. Writing the other, yes you can. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dan. I'm Tempest. And I'm Dong Lun. Awesome. We have been talking about writing the other a couple of times so far this year. Uh, there's one question that we get a lot. I would go so far as to say the single most common question we get on this podcast whenever we talk about diversity or decolonized writing or any kind of writing the other at all, which is... But I'm not from that thing. What about own voices? I'm not allowed to do this. Tempest, what do we do? <laughs> um, well, first of all, like I, I wanted to talk about this in specific because um, in addition to like that sort of general question, I was like, ah, oh, what do I do? But I also um, hear a lot of writers who come to me and they say, I wrote a book and it has a character in it who is black and I'm white or who is disabled and I'm abled or whatever. And um, I took it to my editor. I took it to my agent and they said, oh, you can't do that because own voices. Like Mm -hmm. you just can't. And I'm like, uh, (laughs) that is incorrect. Oh, I'm so sorry. Because then they come to me and they're like, well, what do I do? Because I want to write inclusive fiction. I want to write representational and diverse fiction. But my agent or my editor or potential agent or potential editor is saying I can't. And so I was just like, oh, no, I, I don't want, want people to think that, that this is a problem um, because I understand some of the impetus behind it because, yes, own voices fiction is very important. Um, but at the same time, I don't just want people to only write characters who are like them. I teach classes on writing the other. I'm very invested in the idea that you can. But I I also want to talk to like some of the reasons why agents or editors might say this and some of the things that you can come back to them with it. Um, and Don Juan is here because I really want to ask him, like, do you know why, have you heard this, you know, said, and do you know why it is that editors and agents might say this to an author? Um, I, I have a strong sense of why agents and editors are saying this or why there's a perception that people will say this. Um, I suspect it's happening less than it sounds like it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or people are misinterpreting what is being said in some ways. Um, 
That said, you know, one of the things we really need to do to fix this in the long term is get more diversity and more representation of different cultures inside publishing houses so that people who are actually informed about how this conversation should go are in decision-making positions. Mm -hmm. Right now, what's happening is you have two people who may not know the situation talking to each other and trying to figure out how to get it right, right? So if you have a white editor and a white agent and a white author all trying to figure out how do we publish this book with a black protagonist – um, it increases the odds of getting it wrong, and I think the fear can kind of magnify as they are in that conversation. And, you know, one thing I want to say is a lot of this is coming from a, a fear, right? There's coming mm-hmm. from a fear that you're going to get in trouble, you're going to get yelled at, your book's going to get canceled, or whatever it is. And I think there is some value to that fear. Um, mm-hmm. I think the fear can be a good thing in some ways because it means you're going to put the extra work in to get it right. Yeah. Um, that said, I don't want you to be so afraid that you don't even try. Because the thing that we really need to resist is the power of the default. And the default is this idea that if you are not writing characters who are from other cultures or have other marginalizations like disability or queerness or whatever it is, um, then you, we're not going to get that inclusive fiction that we all want and deserve. Um, so what we need to do is resist the default, and the only way to do that is by representing the world that we live in, which often has people coming from all kinds of cultures, all kinds of marginalizations that are intersectional and rich and complex. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, the biggest thing is the first step you always have to do is just make sure that you've done your due diligence and making sure that you have, like, written the best character of that identity, whatever they are. And that means ensuring that you have done the research, um, that you have read the books, you know, like the writing the other book or any other book or or any essay or whatnot about like writing people from that culture. Um, and, and after you've done that and after you finish your draft, making sure that of people from that culture have read it, have given you feedback mm-hmm. on it, you know, all the steps. Um, and then once you have done that, you know, that's that's sort of like your foundation, your base. Um, and then, then when you give that book to an agent, when you give that book to an editor, and you can say to them, hey, so I did this amount of work. I made sure that, like, I took this class, I read this book to, to get this right, to learn how to get this right. I talked to these people. Um, maybe you want to ask them, like, do you know a sensitivity reader that we could hire? Um, but just making sure that you can sort of alleviate some of that fear. Because a lot of the fear, yes, it comes from the fact that there have been many high-profile cases recently of mm-hmm. books coming out and the representation is really not on point and everybody on the internet is yelling. But the other fear that actually authors have is that, you know, that somebody's going to yell at them, you know, for writing a character outside of their identity. And it's just because they wrote a character outside of their identity, which is actually not what happens. What happens isn't just that like, oh, you're a white author and you wrote a character who's black. You shouldn't be doing that own voices, own voices. It's that you did a bad job of it. Yeah. Like That's when people start to get angry when, when an author does a bad job of it. And they they then don't apologize, and it's clear they didn't do the work. They didn't mm-hmm. do their due diligence. So you have to do all that first um, because then you can sometimes alleviate the fears that agents may have or, or editors may have. Yeah, and doing that diligence is so great. It is such a great feeling. I'm in the process right now of trying to sell a book that I have written uh, where the main character is a foster child. And that is not something I have any personal experience with. And so I went out, I talked to foster kids, I talked to foster parents, I interviewed half the Utah, you know, 
care system for, you know, the people who work with them. I made sure that I was doing this. And over various drafts, I kept weeding out all of the cliches and all of the problems. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm taking this around and people are asking, I am able to say, well, actually, you know what? I have done this. I've done my homework. I've looked at all this and I've looked at all this. And it uh, it helps you to feel better about yourself. Mm -hmm. But it also, it made my book so much better to do that homework. Yeah. The thing that I often find is um, when you have bad representation, it's often indistinguishable for me from bad writing, right? Mm -hmm. Like where that comes into play so often is when they're writing those characters, they're acting as a stand-in for the entire culture, the entire identity in some way. And that's just not how people operate, right? Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the child of Korean immigrants. But in being a Korean American is a really important part of my identity, but it's certainly not the only vector on which I operate. Um, I have a complex relationship with that. And the way you can get around this issue is by writing specificity into your character, making sure that you're not writing a black character or a Latinx character or a queer character, but instead you're writing a specific person who comes from a place in a city in a neighborhood and from a family that has a history and all those things, if you invest it with all the detail that you would, uh, hopefully any good character that you're writing, mm -hmm. that can really help make sure that you're not going to have the kind of bad representation because you have this sort of generic stand-in that is then very easy to say, well, you're saying that, you know, all black people are like this or all Asian people are like this. And, um, you know, so you really want to make sure not only that you've done your homework, but that you then remember to apply it to writing a character that is nuanced and intersectional and really well-developed and has mm -hmm. a rich, complex interior life. Yeah. Which is something you're going to want to do regardless. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh. Tempest, what is our book of the week? Uh, the book of the week is My Sister Rosa by Justine Labalassier. And the reason why this book is so relevant to this conversation is because um, Justine has infused this book with so many different types of people uh, who are like main characters and secondary characters. I was like... I've loved her books ever since she started writing novels, but this one I was particularly impressed with because of this reason. Um, and the book centers on um, a young boy named Che, who uh, he's actually not that young. He's 17. And his sister, who is 10, is a psychopath. And he has been trying to protect the world from his sister and also his sister from the world for most of her life. Um, but things come to a boiling point when their family moves to New York City. Um, and so because their family has moved to New York City, there is now like the whole of New York City in front of them 
And New York City is a place that is full of people who come from all different kinds of identities. And so we have the girl that Che falls in love with and her roommate, and then the family that is friends with his parents, like they have kids. And then, you know, the oldest daughter, her friend group, and there are just all these people, um, all these different identities and all handled really well. And they're all identities that are not the identities of Justine, uh, who wrote the book, but because she is person who, you know, again, she does that due diligence. And she also, you know, has lived in New York City. She understands how the diversity works there. Um, and she brings that to her books always. And I, I just really loved this one. So I definitely suggest reading My Sister Rosa. My Sister Rosa by Justine Labellestier. Yes. I really love that you chose this book. Um, and in part because I think part of the problem with this conversation is um, we don't talk about the times where this goes well. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The things that we talk about are when this goes badly and everyone <laughs> on Twitter is screaming. Um, and, you know, there's a little bit of schadenfreude fun to that. But, you know, it's it can also be very unpleasant. Um, and then we have own voices. Right. Own voices is a hashtag that is a really wonderful celebration of people who are writing their own stories and their own uh, identities. Um, and that is very powerful. And we should continue to celebrate that. And Lord knows I'm not saying take away from that. Yeah. But at the same time, it's also really great when you see this done really well. Uh, Justine is a great example, and it's something she's been doing for a lot of her career, um, is writing people who are outside of her identity and doing a really good job on it. Um, you know, I think a lot about The Expanse, which is a thing I was lucky enough to have worked on, that has a lot of characters who um, derive from Earth cultures that aren't the cultures of the guys who wrote that book, who are both extremely white. Um, <laughs> And, you know, in, they've given us some of the best women of color that we have uh, in science fiction, but also on TV. You know, Christian Abbasarala is a character that I adore. And get, getting to see um, this character on television and representing her culture and dressed in a beautiful sari and all these things is, is something that is, I think, really powerful and really wonderful that those guys have been able to bring to the table. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about, like, the kinds of, you know, homework that you can do, um, obviously, you know, reading as much about a culture as you can. Um, and if you're writing something that's said in contemporary times, one of the best ways to sort of like start your research about that culture is to read magazines that are intended for people um, from that group um, and get as specific as you can. Like you're like, I want to write a black character. It's like, okay, but wait, wait, is it a black woman? Is it a black man? What age are they? Are they from the Midwest? Or are they from California? Because like all of that is going to produce a very different person, right? And so this is also the same with magazines. Magazines are are sometimes laser focused on like one aspect of one kind of people, right? And so, but this is also so why they can be really good sources of like foundational research, um, talking to people, which I'm, we've mentioned many times, um, <laughs> just like having conversations with people from that group and, and asking them about some of the specific aspects of their culture in order to, to, to help you create a, a specific person. And one piece of advice that I love, um, and it, this, um, this came from an article. It's like, you have to read a hundred books if you're going to write uh, a character from a culture. And a hundred books seems like a lot of books. It seems like a very, you know, a monumental task. But these books can be nonfiction books as well as novels. And even children's books counts because sometimes when you are like, trying to dip your toe into an identity or a culture, it helps to get down to that level of, okay, like what, what do kids who are this 
you know, mm-hmm. identity read. Um, I should read what they read because they are learning about their culture from these children's books, or they should. Um, so yeah, so like reading all the books is is a great way. But you know, essentially, you just want to be able to. Um, come to anybody who has said to you, like, I don't know, you shouldn't because own voices and say, well, actually, well, don't say, well, actually, um, say, <laughs> say, I have done this, you know, research, I have done this work, I have made sure that I have, you know, done the best that I can. And I'm also willing to, you know, have a sensitivity reader and learn from them. That's the other thing is that if you are, you know, projecting to your potential agent or potential editor that you are willing to do more work to get it right, that's probably going to make them less fearful because they're Mm going to say, okay, like I'm not going to have to like fight this author to make this book right if I want to buy it. Yeah. Well, and I want to get back to something that Dongwon was talking about earlier about just, you know, good characterization. You know, since so much of this is driven by fear, when you think about it, no one is going to pitch a huge fit about a really wonderful book that everyone loves. You know, mm-hmm. um, people are going to love that kind of thing. If if we look and we see our own culture represented really well, then it doesn't matter who it came from. We're still going to love it. And so we don't need to be as afraid of that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I also want to point out that criticism is going to happen, right? Yes. And I don't care what you're writing about. I don't care if you're writing about only, you know, white characters, white cishet characters, or what it is, somebody's going to come for you. And, you know, you're going to get a one-star review. Sometimes the review is, uh, I ordered a toaster and I got this book instead, <laughs> right? Like, you know, but the thing is, there's no protection from criticism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I recognize that when that criticism says, you know, you wrote my culture badly or you got this wrong or I think you're racist or whatever it is, that's incredibly hurtful, right? Yeah. Um, but there's a wide range of criticism out there. There's a wide range of sort of reception. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot about Rainbow Rowell's Eleanor and Park, and I'm probably going to get in trouble here talking about this, but um, for me, that character had a male Korean-American character as a love interest, and he's Hapa, he's half Korean, half white, and it was the first time I'd really seen that on the page, and that book meant a lot to me to see that. Um, all of my Asian-American friends are currently screaming into their their uh, telephones while they listen to this about, um, you know, a lot of people think that was really bad representation. A lot of people mm-hmm. have a lot of problems with how Park is represented in that book. Uh, it's been a long time since I've read it. I should probably go back and check it and see if I still have issues with it or if I have new issues with it. But, you know, it's book is beloved. And, um, you know, there are ways in which she got it wrong and there's ways in which she got it right. And mm-hmm. ultimately what I'm going to say is I think that that's okay, right? I think it's okay that um, many of my friends and my peers have problems with that book. And I think it's okay that a lot of people love that book. And, um, you know, the thing that I would love to have is more nuance in this conversation going forward. At the same time, that we should also be ready to call out things that are actively harmful and hurtful. And, um, you know, it's a difficult part of the conversation, but it's an important part. Yeah. yeah. And one last thing is sort of the the end of this this worry that a lot of authors have when, when they come to me and talk about this is, um, am I taking up space by doing this then? And sometimes you are, and that's actually a good question to ask yourself. Like, are you actually taking up space that's for somebody else? But at the same time, there are things that you can do as an author to make sure that it's not just you who is putting out the representation from this group. Like, you know, as you're doing your reading, you're researching and asking people, you're going to come across other authors who are from that identity that you're trying to represent, right? And so then it is on you to to 
say, hey, everybody, have you heard about this wonderful author? Like, I just read this great book. I read it for research. I read it because, like, I, you know, I loved it. Don't Do you know about this? You should read it. Um, if you have, you know, people who you know who are writers who are from that identity, introduce them to your agent. Introduce them to your editor. Make sure that, like, other folks on Twitter know. Like, if they're participating in PitMad, like, you know, be sure to retweet so that more people see their thing. Um and, and just constantly do that. Constantly make sure that you are lifting up the voices of the people that you are trying to represent, because then that hopefully, you know, raises the boat for everybody. And so then it's not as if you're taking up the only space because now more people know about this author or this issue or whatever. And so you can use your privilege to help people who don't have as much privilege to be able to, to come into the space more. Like it's never just, a, you know, you know, we can only have this many things. Like right now, if we only have this many things, you can expand the the number of things that we can have with your voice. So always make that part of your process too. And I think Rick Riordan is like the gold standard here, right? Yeah. He, he took the Percy Jackson series and not only Trojan Horse having, you know, a white character as a protagonist and then brought in all these other cultures, all these other perspectives, but is now putting his uh, time and energy um, in launching the the Rick Riordan Presents imprint to really celebrate stories from other cultures and writers from other cultures um, and doing it. He's using his power and privilege to make sure he's lifting the voices of other people and not just profiting off of their experiences and their stories. And um, it's a really beautiful thing to see. And I'm, I'm very happy to see that this is where the industry is headed. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so we're going to talk about homework. And I want to make clear one thing. Uh, when we talk about doing your due diligence, doing your homework before doing this, uh, e- all of the homework you do, all of the sensitivity readers that you hire is not the magical rubber stamp of immunity <laughs> to complaint, you know? Exactly. Uh, and so I don't want people to come back to us and say, hey, I did everything and people still yelled at me and now I'm mad at you. <laughs> you know, you got to be ready to take your lumps. But uh, we do want you to try and we do want you to do your best and give it your best effort and uh, – So in light of that, Tempest, what is our homework today? The homework is to make a list of the things that you did or are going to do to ensure that you have done that due diligence. So I will always say when people come to me, they're like, oh, can I write? Yes, yes, you can. Read the book, Writing the Other. I'll never stop saying this in my life. (laughs) Read the book, Writing the Other by Nisi Shaw and Cynthia Ward. Um, Go to writingtheother.com where there are like other free resources um, for doing this. Um, And if you like feel, still feel like, oh, I need stuff, like you could take a class, whatever. But, um, but make sure that you have the, the foundation, the, the knowledge going forward to be like, okay, these are the things I need to do. And then, you know, do those things, like make a list of, you know, the kind of stuff that you have read, the kind of research you have done, the people that you've talked to. Um, and if you want to go ahead and go so far as to get a sensitivity reader um, before you actually present the project to the agent, to the, to the editor, whatever, do that and then make sure that they know. And so it's like, have that list and have that ready for when somebody, whether it's the agent, the editor, or even 
somebody else says, but you're not this type of person. I was like, no, I'm not. But these are the things that I did to be sure that like I did the best that I could to represent this person um, in a way that is true to like who this person is and their identity. And it's not going to be 100% and that's okay. What, but what you got to do is just make sure that everybody knows. I didn't just sort of show up on Monday. I was like, I did this. <laughs> that's great. Uh, Dong Wan described this earlier as your homework is to show that you've done your homework. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what it is. And and preparing this list in advance is also going to help make sure that your homework is right. Exactly. You might get halfway through this process and realize, oh, you know what? Uh, this argument's actually super weak and, and I haven't <laughs> I didn't do that done thing. enough. I need to do more. So anyway, this is wonderful. We uh, we really hope that you feel inspired by this episode rather than afraid. We want you to try new things. We want you to represent more people and write Outside of your own experience, it takes work, but it's worth it. So this is Writing Excuses. You are out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.